familiar passage of scripture for us. Amen. But we just want to share what God has for us to glean on today, that it may be beneficial to us, that we may eat, that we may grow. Amen. In the admonition of God, that we may learn. Amen. And that we may be established in what God desires for each and every one of us. Again, that's St. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Verse 1 from the English Standard Version reads like this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? Remember, we talked about last week when Jesus asked a question. He already knows the answer. He said this to test him for he knew he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Our thought for this morning is 12 empty baskets, 12 empty baskets. We'll get to that in a minute. But what my question for you, and I always want to leave you with a thought even before we venture into the substance of the message, is how open are we for the move of God? How open are we for the move of God? God wants to move. God desires to move. I always say that God is never that God's not speaking, it's that we're not listening. But how open are we for the move of God? Make it personal. Point at your neighbor and say, how open are you? for the move of God. God's about, that means God's about to move. The question is, are you ready? Okay, I'll say it to him that way. Point him at it again and say, God's about to move. Are you ready? And hopefully in the message today, we'll get ready for what God is trying to do in our lives. I, I feel that right there in my spirit. God's about to move. The question is, are we ready? So it says Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. To give context to this, prior in St. John, John details the story of the man who had been lame for 38 years. You remember this man? He was by the pool and he said, he said Jesus said, wilt, wilt thou be made whole? The man, says, the man said, I have no man to put me in the pool. But Jesus said, and then Jesus healed the man. And of course, there was great, you know, controversy there because when he healed the man, he heals him on the Sabbath and then all the Sadducees and he stirs up all, all those real religious folks. You know, I can't fool with religious folks. I can deal with saved folks. I can deal with spiritual folks, but I can't fool with religious folks. 
Because religious folks will say you're not religious enough. I know I've heard it, and the people have said it, and I'll say it on camera, and I don't care if people said I'm not Kojic enough. Baby, I'm not trying to be Kojic. I'm trying to be saved. And if I, if I can't be both, I'm going to be saved. <laughs> Come on now, because being Kojic is not going to get me into heaven. Being saved will. So, I'm not, so the religious folks were a little disturbed about how Jesus performed the healing on the Sabbath day. He performs a healing on the Sabbath, and they get disturbed, and they get upset. Remember, they kept asking the man, who healed you? He said, I don't know who healed me. I just, can't you just be happy that I'm healed? So, yeah, I, see, you got to watch folks that question. Oh, come on now. You got to watch folks that question where, how you get that house, how you get that car. Come on now. How, how you get that job? They, they're questioning. Don't worry, can't you just be happy that I got the job? Can you celebrate with me that I got the car? Can you come celebrate at my house that I got the new house? Instead of questioning how I got here, you ought to be praying. Praising God with me for how he's allowed me to arrive at where I am. Don't keep telling your business to folk who question how you got there. Because those aren't really your people. Because your people get so excited, they shout when they hear about it. Because they're excited for you, but when they question how you got there, those, those aren't your people. Look, point at somebody and say, those aren't your people. So that, this, this happened prior in John. So if you read John chapter 5, that, that is the, the, what is immediately precedent to what we find here with Jesus. But if you read the other synoptic gospels, if you read Matthew and Mark, we, it details the story of how John the Baptist had been beheaded. We shared this story before. You know, John had the, had the audacity to open his mouth against the king. And then the king had his daughter, in, his stepdaughter dancing before him. And he was so enamored by his own stepdaughter dancing that he told her she could have anything that she wanted. We won't get into how creepy that is, but you know, (laughs) but it was his stepdaughter. But anyway, but he gets so enamored by her dancing that he tells her she can have anything that she wants. And what did she ask for? Well, because her mom was upset because John the Baptist had opened his mouth and said, you shouldn't marry the king. And the reason John the Baptist said anything because her ex-husband was the king's brother. She's like, you shouldn't be married to each other. So she got mad and told her daughter to ask for the head of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist had just been beheaded. He'd been killed. His his disciples had gone to gather his body and they had taken to bury him. And then his disciples came to Jesus and told him everything that had just happened. Jesus, as a result of that, Jesus, you know, Jesus is human. He's fully God, but he's also fully human. He's mourning a little bit, too. His friend John the Baptist, you know, him and John the Baptist went way back. They went way back to the womb. Remember, Mary walked into the the room with Elizabeth and inside the the little fetus jumped. (laughs) That was John the Baptist on the inside of his mother jumping because he was in the same room with his cousin, Jesus. So they went way back. So he, Jesus is mourning the death of his cousin and his, and his friend and his compadre, the person who had baptized him. And Jesus, and remember, God broke through the crowd, the, the, the dove descended, and he threw from the, crowd, from the clouds, even God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he's mourning his friend. He goes apart to pray into the mount. But of course, because they had heard about what he had done, healing the lame man who had been lame for 38 years, the crowd began to follow him. And as we know, the story is more than 5,000 men. So we know it was not a small crowd. It was a large crowd that followed him to where he was. But Jesus, even in the middle of him mourning, even in the middle of him considering the death of John the Baptist, saw with compassion the people that were standing out there. He was moved with compassion, even out of his hurt and even out of his pain. He was moved on compassion with the people. And I keep telling people, you, even when you're hurt, you got to still keep working. 
Got to still keep ministering. I, I know some of you are thinking, well, when I get to a certain level of money, that's when I minister. Baby, you keep ministering and using the gift that God gave you. You keep saying, when I get a certain title, I'll minister. No, baby, God gave you the gift. God ain't worried about a title. He gave you the gift. You keep using the gift that God gave you. And don't worry if you never get a title. Come on. Jesus was never ordained a minister, an elder, a pastor superintendent or bishop. In fact, the church didn't like him too much. Come on now. Didn't have any title, but was the most powerful person on earth. And you worried about getting the title. Baby, don't worry about that. God gave you a gift. You use and operate the God gift God gave you even when you feel inadequate. Because even when you don't feel like much, the gift still works. <laughs> the gift still works. Even when you feel at your lowest, your gift still works. God gave it to you for a reason, not just so that you can hold on to it like the man who buried the talent, but God gave you the gift for it to shine, for it to reach other people because other people will be blessed and brought to God by you operating in your gift. Jesus used his gift even while he was hurting. He was moved by compassion by the people who, the crowd who had gathered to see him due to them seeing all the miracles that he had performed in town. Latest of being in chapter five of St. John prior to our text of the man who had been lame for 38 years. Jesus even proving himself at that time. So he ministered to the people. And then after he ministered to the people, we find ourselves in John chapter six, verse one. He sees the people and he sees that they are hungry, that they are physically hungry. And that's something that we have to do as a people. That's what we have to do as a church. We want to minister to their spiritual needs, but don't forget people have natural needs. Come on here with me now. They, they need to be ministered to naturally. Sometimes they don't need you to pray for five minutes. They need you to give them $5. <laughs> I, wish, I wish somebody would talk to me in here. They, they, they don't need you to feed them the word. They need you to feed them at McDonald's, buy them a happy meal. Come on now. Sometimes we, we have to, I wish I were here. We need to minister to their real needs. You see somebody walking on the side of the road and you stop and grab some oil and slap them on the head and say, may God bless you with the vehicle. They don't need your oil, baby. They need you to give them a ride. <laughs> come, come on with me. We, we, we can still minister to the real needs of people. They always say people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When you're ministering, God's word is the same. You got to show that you can move with compassion over their needs. And then while you're doing that, you might minister to their spiritual needs. You can do that. You can do them both at the same time. Baby, here, here's, here's a meal for your family. But I just want you to know that our church is right across the street. Anytime you want to come to service, you are welcome. The doors are open to anybody who wants to come. It's okay to minister to their needs. And when you do, you'll touch a place deeper than your little scripture is going to touch. Come on now. They might, not they might not even remember the scripture, but they'll remember what you did. May not remember the scripture, they'll remember you gave them a ride. May not remember the scripture, they'll remember you gave them $5. They might not remember the scripture, they'll remember that happy meal that you bought them. We have to be able to minister to people where they are and help them at the point of their need. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He said, I looked at compassion over the people and he wasn't looking at compassion for their spiritual needs. But for their physical needs, these people were hungry and needed to be fed. So Jesus asking a question. Remember, I told you when Jesus asked a question, keep it. Remember, at all points, he knows the answer. So the question is really testing us. It's not us giving him information. 
So Jesus said to Philip in verse 5, he asked the question, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? And he said this to test him that he knew, Jesus already knew in advance what he was about to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii. Denarii was about the value of a full day's worth. Think of that, a full day's work. So he's saying 200 times a full day's amount of work would not be enough to feed so many. And if you understand, yeah, it's, five, it's at least 5,000. We know there's 5,000 men. We're not talking about the women and the children. But there's at least a gathering of 5,000 people. He said that's not enough. He said even if we bought that, much with that, amount with that, that much with that amount, he said not each of them would even get a little. So then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, John is the only one who records this because the other synoptic gospels do not mention this little boy. But Andrew, the, the brother of Simon Peter, he says to him, there is a little boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. And, and me being an inquisitive person I am, can you imagine the testimony that this little boy had when he went home? <laughs> Mom, I fed everybody who was following Jesus. His mom said, boy, stop lying, boy. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He said, no, mama, Jesus took my lunch and fed everybody that was there. Can you imagine the testimony that this little boy had? And John is the only one who records the, the, the existence of the little boy in the story. But here, Andrew, Simon Peter's uh, brother, says to him, there's a little boy, he has five barley loaves and two fish. And then he asks a question that many of us ask if we're honest. The question he asks, he said, but what are they for so many? What are they for so many? I want you to think about it. He's saying, this is what we have, Jesus. How can this meet the needs of 5,000 people? Does this amount, let me rephrase it, does this little amount even mean anything? This amount is meaningless when you compare it to how many people are out there. When I, when I thought of the little lunch amongst the 5,000, I began to think of Elijah's servant who saw the little cloud. And, and, and Elijah told him that, that there would be rain after seven long years. I can imagine the, the, the little boy was saying, yeah, Elijah, there's a, there's a little cloud. But what is that? Amongst this need that we have, how is this cloud going to satisfy this need? How is this lunch going to satisfy 5,000? And Lord, how am I, little old me, going to do everything that you said I'm supposed to do? Moses said the same thing. Moses took his life like the little lunch, and he's saying, Lord, you're telling me to go to deliver my people from Pharaoh. But, but how is little old me going to go and convince Pharaoh to deliver the people after 400 years? They've gotten used to those, that work. They've gotten used to that labor. They're, they've gotten used to all that for free. And you're telling me little old me is going to go before Pharaoh and deliver all the people. So that's what... Andrew was saying, Lord, I, we got two fish and five little barley loaves, but what is this amongst so many? And how many times have we asked God the same question? Lord, how is my little old job going to satisfy my needs? 
How is little old me going to satisfy this circumstance and this storm that I find myself? What, are, what is that among so many? Does it even matter? And I came to tell you if God gave it to you, baby. Doesn't matter how small it might seem. It matters. And not only does it matter, if God gave it to you, it's enough. If God gave it to you, it's enough. I want you to point at somebody, look at them in the eyeballs and say, if God gave it to you, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. It it, it will satisfy no matter how big the need might seem in comparison to what you have. If God gave it to you, it's enough. You remember, think about it this way. When, when God, when Moses said, I'm not enough, what did God give him? What did he give him? He gave him a stick. <laughs> Moses said, I, I'm not enough. He said, well, take Aaron with you and here you go. Here's this rod. Can you imagine Moses said, well, Lord, I'm not enough, but I don't see how this stick <laughs> is going is to make the difference. But God uses a little to accomplish a lot. The reason he does that, he wants there to be a deficit because he wants your little and a gap between what is a little. You see what, how little there is and it's facing something bigger because he wants you to know that God's going to fill the gap. God said, I'm filling the gap. Remember what he told, what he told Gideon? He said, Gideon, your, your, your 32,000 men are too many. He said, we're going to need to narrow that down just a little bit. Gideon said, hold on, Lord, I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I have 32,000 men. There are three separate armies on the other side of the hill that are waiting on me. And you're telling me my 32,000 are too many? God tells him, he says, just ask, well, go ahead, Gideon, just ask how many of them are scared. <laughs> 20,000 plus men got up and left because they were scared. Gideon said, Lord, what, what? I already didn't have enough. Now, two-thirds of my army just got up because they're scared. Then the Lord says, that's still too many. Gideon said, now, I, I know I'm not good at math, but Lord, I know that's not enough. That's, that's what he's thinking. He may not say that to God. Some of us, we're thinking that we don't have the audacity to say it out loud. But a lot of times we're like, Lord, this is what you gave me. I'm looking at what you gave me. I'm looking at what I'm facing, and I can do the math. That's not enough. Gideon, Gideon, Gideon said, Lord, Lord what, what, what do you want me to do now? He said, take them down to the brook and observe how they drink water. And some of them went down like they were a dog and just stuck their whole head in and started drinking the water. But a few men, somebody see a few good men, a few good men got down on their knees and they drew the water and they were watching because God needs us to watch and pray that we enter not into temptation. They drank the water, they scooped the water, but they were attentive. They were watching. And he said, Lord, he said, take the ones that are on their knees, those that are scooping, those that are attentive, those that are watching. And Gideon said, Lord, that's just 300. And God said, with the 300. 
some of the most powerful words that you'll find in the Bible. With the 300, will you find deliverance for Israel? And I came to tell you, with whatever you have, God's saying, with that job. With the, the gift that you think is small that's on the inside of you. With what you have, I'm going to have you delivered. You're going to be set free. You're going to be healed with what I've already given. Despise not the day of small things. Stop looking at what, how little it is and just wonder, did God, don't ask the question, how much is it? The only question you need to ask is, did God give this to me? Did God give this to me? Did God provide this to me? If God gave it to me, then it is enough. The only thing that needs an adjustment is not the amount of what I have. I need to adjust my faith to recognize that when God said it, I wish I had a witness in here. When, when God says, when God says it, when God provides, it is enough. In fact, David had so little, but he understood how powerful God was. When they started trying to give him more, he said, no, I don't need all that. Saul, your shield can't fit me anyway. Don't need all that. Your breastplate is too large. It's going to weigh me down. Goliath won't have to take me out. Your breastplate's going to take me out. (laughs) I I don't need all that. I'm too small to even pick up your sword and bury it and carry it with me. When I try and put it in the sheath, it drags the ground and weighs me down. It's too much. It's going to weigh me down. And sometimes our tendency is to take on other stuff. But if I'm taking other stuff and God didn't give it to me, then it's just going to weigh me down. Remember, I told you, we're so concerned about sins. But God said, the word says, lay aside every weight and sin that does. So sometimes we're taking on unnecessary weight and then we're not equipped for what God wants us to do. God didn't tell David to go get a shield. God didn't tell David to go get a breastplate. God didn't tell David to go get Saul's sword. God had prepared him already. Gave him a little slingshot. He said, David, all I need you to do is go find five smooth stones. And you're not going to need all five. (laughs) Oh, I wish you'd get that in your spirit. Go get five smooth stones and you're not going to need all five. You're saying, Lord, I just got a little bit. And you're saying the little bit I got is still too much. Still too much. Still too much. Good that Goliath laid down on the first one because David had four more where that came from. (laughs) It was too much. One stone and one slingshot was too much for Goliath. So what I'm telling you is the little bit that you have. You think it's not enough, but it's actually too much. How do I know that it's too much? Let's go back to our story. What is this amongst so many? But Jesus broke it, broke it, blessed it, distributed it, and they had leftovers. (laughs) This was too much. I want y'all to get that with me. He he said, what is this among so many? But when Jesus touched it, somebody say Jesus touched it. When when Jesus touched it, not only was it enough, it was too much. Stop belittling what God gave you. Whatever he gave you, it may seem small, but I guarantee you it's already too much. 
point at somebody and say, you, you're too much. <laughs> you're too much. You're too much. You, you think you're too little. But with God and what he's put on the inside of you, you're already too much. So he says, what is this among so many? And, and Jesus said this, have the people to sit down. Then he didn't argue anymore with Andrew. He said, have the people sit down. When people don't think you're enough, don't argue with them. Remember, I tell you, when David, same story, when he was talking to his brother, he asked what should be done for the man who is to kill the giant. His brother said, why are you coming down here starting all this trouble? He said, David just turned and started talking to somebody else. <laughs> Sometimes you, need to not, you don't need to change the conversation. You need to change who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, some of y'all got big dreams and everybody around you is saying, girl, you crazy girl. That's too much girl. You can't do all that. You just need to turn. You don't need to change your conversation. You need to change who you talking to girl. I'm going to school girl. I'm going to Harvard girl. You, you, don't, you don't have, where are you going to find the money? I'm just going to change. Not my conversation. I'm going to change. I wish y'all were here with I'm going to change who I, who I'm talking to. Girl, I, I, I went to the house and I saw this house and the Lord said, I'm going to have a house just like that. Girl, I, I saw your credit. I saw your job. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm going to have this same conversation with somebody else, even if the person I'm talking to is the Lord. If none of my friends are ready for this conversation of faith, what God has told me I'm about to have, I don't have to talk to any of them. I'll just turn and talk to the Lord. I'm not changing my conversation. I'm changing who I'm talking to. That's what David did. And sometimes that's what we need to do when God has us operate in faith. It's not the conversation that's a problem. It's who you're sharing it with. Jesus said, I'm not going to argue with you, Andrew. I'm not, not going to discuss matters of the kingdom with you that you don't understand. He just said, have the people to sit down. It says there was a plenty of grass in the place. It was like certain areas were carpeted with grass. And it said the men began to sit, sit down, about 5,000 of them in number. And I'm about finished. It says Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he blessed them break them and he distributed to those and I missed this until I was reading this for this morning it says he distributed them to those pull that up on the, on the camera pull that up up top for because I want them to see it that's, that's, chapter, that's John six eleven. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks he distributed them to those who were seated First time I really read that. He distributed to those who were seated. So that means there may have been other people there who were standing. And he didn't give it to those people. He gave it to them who were seated. He gave them an instruction. If you want to eat, I need you to sit down. <laughs> Come on. Come in here. Uh, if you want to eat, you just sit down. A lot of times now we say sit down to people who are who are doing too much. Come on. Come on. I'm not trying to call you out. You know what you did, but but he's saying, I need you to just sit down. Doing too much. Don't worry about it. 
Andrew, didn't, I didn't ask you any more questions about your money and how, how we're going to buy this. I just told you to sit down. So when he had told them to sit down, to those who were seated, he gave. So if you were standing, you didn't get it. If you left, you didn't get it. If you were being busy doing other things, you didn't get it. Only those who were seated got what Jesus was distributing. Which, 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 which put me in mind that sometimes God's resources, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to God. So God is not one who lacks resources. Sometimes we may lack because we're not seated. And by seated, that means we need to be in the right posture to receive what Jesus is distributing. And maybe... Get this, your neighbor got it, not because God loves them more, but because they were seated. Maybe they were in the right posture. And sometimes our posture might send Jesus the wrong message. Our posture might send the right message. I'll give you this example. We were uh, blessed. It was it was right before, and her, her birthday is coming up soon next month, right before Brennan's birth, before the day she was born. It was, that, it was a few days before on that Sunday that we were blessed to preach at Temple of Deliverance there in Memphis, from, from the church founded by Bishop G. E. Patterson, now Bishop Milton Hawkins is the pastor. We preached there, and after service, we went to a restaurant. It's called Texas de Brazil. We went to this restaurant. It's a wonderful restaurant. It's for those who like to eat, especially if you like to eat meat. If you, like, if you don't like meat, don't go there. But if you like meat, you'll love the restaurant. We go there, and they give you, it, it, it looks like a little cup holder. It's, like a, it, it's just a little circle. On one side of the circle is green. On the other side of the circle is red. Now, what they do is they have a little bar where you can get your little, you know, if you want your macaroni and cheese and all that, you can go grab that. But when you want meat, they come and bring it to your table. And what they do is they keep bringing you meat. They keep bringing you meat. And they kept bringing food. And Joseph was with me. Joseph, he was only like, he was only 11 years old, maybe. Well, no, he wasn't that old. But 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 he was but he was young. He was he was sitting there with me, sitting right beside me. And his little holder, just like mine, was up on green. And they kept bringing Joseph food, and they kept and he kept putting it on his plate. And I know Joseph. I'm like, hold on, Joseph, you gonna eat all that? <laughs> well, his, of course, you know he's a boy. His answer, yep, <laughs> <laughs> But but his little marker was on green. So as long as it was on green, they were going to keep bringing him food. So as daddy, I knew at some point he needed to stop. So I turned the thing over to red so they would stop bringing food. But as long as it was in a position where you saw green, it kept coming. So it didn't matter who was seated at the table. There was some seated at the table who weren't getting meals because their marker was in a different position. 
And what I'm telling you is that some, so somebody was sitting there and they were giving, and you know, they're giving you big pieces of meat. You're getting the, you're getting the lamb and you're getting the, you know, you're getting the steak and they got all these skewers with chicken and all these meats and, and they keep giving them to you. Some people were getting them, some weren't. And the difference was simply the position of the marker. It's as if some were seated and others were standing. Just like Jesus gave to those who were seated. So if we put our marker in the wrong position, then we'll miss it. We were singing songs, do not pass me by, do not. We singing, we praying, we doing all this, but we haven't put ourselves in the right position. And because we're not in the right position, we're missing out on what God is trying to do. So then there had to be somebody I can imagine. You know how folks are. Somebody misses something. Somebody walked off and came back and everybody around him had food. They're like, what? How did you get food? And I didn't. Son, you weren't in the right position. And not only were you not in the right position, you weren't in the right posture. You weren't in the right place and you weren't seated. So you did not receive. Wait a minute. What are we doing with that? That means my heart and my faith helped to keep me in the right position. Sometimes my faith will tell me to sit down. I want y'all to get that. Sometimes my faith, your faith is telling you you're doing too much. Sometimes your faith is telling you what God often tells us if we wait on the Lord. Sometimes there's a blessing in being still. Sometimes you just need to be still. Sometimes we're running and chasing after stuff that's not even for us. And you know what? While you're chasing after something that God doesn't even want you to have, you're missing out on what God is blessing you with. God is telling somebody, I need you to sit down. Because when you're seated, when you're still, when you're operating in faith, you're keeping yourself in the right position to receive what I have for you. Final thing I want to give you, and I'm, and, and I'm done. It says, so Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. I don't want you to think these people got a snack. It says they ate as much as they wanted. And then to emphasize it, in the next verse, it says, and when they'd eaten their fill. It's telling you two times. They ate as much as they wanted, verse 12. And when they were full. He told his disciples to gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves and the fish that had been distributed. I want you to get this, and this is, this is, this is our thought for the morning, and this is why I asked this question. Are you open to receive what God has for you? I asked the, I'm an inquisitive person. You know, I always ask questions of the scripture. Uh, they didn't have enough food to feel, feed the people, but where did they get 12 baskets from? It wasn't their intention to feed the people. That was, that was Jesus himself who came up with feeding the people. Why did they have 12 baskets? For some reason, there were 12 get it, empty baskets that were around and were available, but they had nothing in them. 
And somebody like me would have asked the question, what was the purpose of having 12 empty baskets laying around and we don't have anything to put in them? And and God began to answer me. He said, I arrange things in advance and I arrange them before you understand them. And I, I need you to get that. God's saying, I arrange things before you understand them. I don't understand the purpose, but God is making the baskets, the empty baskets available. Why? Because just when he asked the question, when he asked the question of the disciples, when he said, how are we going to feed them? What, what should, how will we feed them? But the word says, but he already knew in advance what he was going to do. Already knew in advance what he was going to do. And I can't even tell somebody in here, somebody in here has empty baskets in your life. You have areas that seem empty. Almost areas that seem like they have no purpose. Some of you even have gifts and you're wondering, Lord, why do I even have this gift? It seems like I'm not even using this gift that you've given me. Some of you have knowledge and education and experience in things and you're like, Lord, why why did I even learn that? Lord, why did I even go through that? Lord, what was the purpose of that trial? What was the purpose of that storm? But I want you to know that your storms are like the empty baskets. I don't know why I'm going through this right now. I, I don't understand why I'm struggling with this. Lord, I'm following your will. But I'm still, I wish I had some real folks in here. I'm following your will, but I'm still struggling. I'm doing what you told me to do, but I'm still struggling. There's some areas, Lord, get this. There's some areas, Lord, that I even prayed for you to feel. And you haven't done it yet. It's like an empty basket that I'm carrying in my life. I do not understand its purpose. I do not know why it's there. And sometimes in our lowest point, and I don't want you to feel bad about it because Elijah got there too. Sometimes the empty basket is you. Sometimes we feel like the empty basket. I was created for a purpose. But Lord, I've lost sight of what that purpose is. I was created intentionally. But Lord, at this point, I really don't understand how I am to be used. Elijah sat under the juniper tree after Jezebel had threatened his life. He sat there and he said, Lord, why don't you just take my life? He said, said if if you read that scripture, I want you to go through it because I, I don't want you to feel challenged when you feel like that that he laid up under the tree and he was praying that he could die right there. Lord, take me right here. 
I'm an empty basket. I was created intentionally and I have served a purpose in the past. But right now, Lord, I'm at a loss of what that purpose is. I'm not full. I feel empty. And I question my existence. I question why I'm here. And even if I have a little bit in this basket, I'm asking the same question as Andrew. What am I? What is this among so many? What am I? What is this compared to the needs of the world? Why am I here? Somebody is dealing with that who's watching this online. You're feeling like that empty basket. You're wondering, you're asking the question, why am I here? Lord, why am I still here? But you know what? Jesus knew the baskets. Not only did he know what he was going to do, Jesus knew the baskets were there. He knew the baskets were there. That's how intentional our Savior is. He knew what he was going to do. He knew about the disciples. He knew how many people he was going to feed. He knew there would be leftovers. And he knew that there were 12 empty baskets. He knew there were 12 empty baskets that were going to hold all of the leftovers. And he said, you know what? Gather up the scraps, everything that was not eaten. And get this, put them in the baskets so nothing, so that nothing will be lost. If Jesus didn't want to leave, lose the leftovers. If Jesus didn't want to lose the leftovers. I wish y'all were here. If Jesus didn't want to lose the leftovers. Do you think he wants to lose you? He didn't want to lose the leftovers. He had baskets prepared in advance to hold the leftovers. If he had something prepared for the leftover food. Don't you think he has something prepared for you? Don't you think he loves you that much? Don't you think he's prepared in advance for you? Don't you think he knew you'd be disappointed? He he knew you'd get discouraged. He knew you'd feel depressed. He knew you'd experience this mindset of uselessness. Didn't you know in advance that God was preparing even for you at this moment? You're not empty. You're not useless. You have a purpose. You are enough. Oh, I want you to say that to yourself. Put your hands on your own chest and say, I am enough. Those of who are watching virtually, I want you to put that in the chat. I am enough. God had prepared in advance for this moment. He knew where I'd be physically. He knew where I'd be mentally. He knew where I'd be emotionally. And if he prepared a basket for the leftovers, don't you know that he's provided for you and he's provided for me? Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Everybody standing on your feet. He's provided for me. He's made room for me. He's made preparations for me. I'm not lost. I'm not left over. I'm not discarded. 
But God has intentions and purpose for me right now, even in this moment. Can we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And it comes to remind us of how valuable we are in your sight. It comes to remind us the value of having faith in the moment, even when it feels like we're overwhelmed, even when the problem seems too large, even when it seems too big and we're asking the question, what is this amongst so many? Who are we amongst the problem that is so large? But Lord, you've prepared us and you've created us and you, you've sustained us and you've established us and, and you've provided for us even for just this very moment. You knew in advance that it was coming. You knew in advance what we needed. And you prepared victory for us in advance. Praise be to God who has already secured for us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for that we say thank you Lord. For that we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those who've been watching us virtually, we praise God for you until we shall see you again. Come on. Put pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line and in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.